Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Having children makes us brave. Having a disabled child might make one even braver. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast, and we are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. We are so glad you are here, and please support our sponsors. It means a lot to us, and it means a lot to our sponsors. For that support. There's something about having children that makes you brave in a way you haven't been before. I think we could all agree with that statement by today's guest. However, when you are the mom of a disabled child, you find new avenues for your bravery and for your advocacy and more. Our guest today, Jacqueline Greenberg, is the mom of a 13-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old disabled boy, and an almost 10-year-old boy. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. I love um, Janet. I really appreciate being here, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So talk about that bravery. I mean, we've got lots of avenues to unpack here today, but I know in one of the articles I read, you said it feels like you're living two separate lives. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. And it's felt like that since the day my son was born. Uh, I think I I mentioned before the show that I'm querying a memoir. And it it basically starts with uh, the first chapter is the day my son was born. And there are a lot of comparisons to the day my daughter was born and how different it was just right Mm -hmm. from the beginning. I mean, so you have this contrast. You had your daughter first and that was all, you know, like as we would expect. And here comes your son And it's not anything like you expect. Yeah. So I was actually sitting at my desk uh, at work and I had what I thought was a routine ultrasound appointment at two o'clock. I left my desk. I left my computer running, went to the ultrasound appointment and my son was born two hours later. So uh, stark contrast to the way my daughter was born, even just in the delivery room with the number of doctors and um, help. And I wasn't able to see him right away. They they just took him from me immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, right, right from the beginning, it was I felt like I was living in two worlds. It was, um, you know, the doctors were joking and laughing about guessing my daughter's weight. And there was music playing when she was born. And when and, you know, maybe two doctors and I two nurses and I mean, there, there must have been 20 people in the room when my son was born. Um, no music, no joking. Everybody filed in. Everybody filed out with my son, including my husband. 
Um, and so I was left there with, I think, a nurse and a doctor um, by myself, having never even gotten to say hello to him. So, wow. yeah, so I felt I've been feeling like I've been living in two different worlds. I, I don't right from the get go, right, right from the day he was born. And it, it just has uh, continued to accumulate. And um, I guess I consider my job uh, is to not only bridge that gap between the worlds, but to merge them in whatever mm -hmm. capacity that I can. So mm -hmm. that's what I try to do with my my writing and my sharing and social media. My family of five is very close. And um, if we can all live in our house together seamlessly, I don't understand why that can't be like that in the rest of the world. Absolutely. Will you tell us more about your son and his name is my son's name is Henry. I found out not long after he was born that I caught a virus when I was pregnant with him. Had no idea until the day he was born. Uh, my 20-week ultrasound was perfect. They really weren't sure uh, what his prognosis would be until they did a brain ultrasound about... They waited until he was full term, essentially, because he was five weeks early. Mm -hmm. And when they did the ultrasound, they said that he would have multiple disabilities, or I think the way that they termed it at the time was he would be unable to walk or talk. So they said he was um, stable and um, they had given him antivirals for the virus, but the damage that was done was done and there was nothing more to do but wait and see, which I actually think was the hardest part, um, the mm -hmm. wait and see, the, mm -hmm. the not knowing. And I, I did uh, reach out to someone in the community who had uh, twins actually born, um, impacted from the same virus. And she told me I'd have a really a better understanding when he was three of what I would be managing. And I really do think those early years were the were the hardest. You know, any parent is just getting to know a new baby and trying to understand and even with my daughter, I didn't know anything sure. about milestones or what to expect or her personality. What's her personality compared to what should be typical for a milestone? Um, you know, exactly. I didn't understand any of that. And um, with my son, it was tenfold because how much of it was his personality? How much? Because he's he's very laid back. My my daughter is very high energy and has always I teased her. Uh, all the time that she has just been ready to go from the day she was born, just very <laughs> independent. The older, the older she gets, the happier she is because she's more independent. Um, she's at school now, a female lead in a play on a stage, just wow. happy as a clam. At clan. 13. Yeah. At, yeah. Thir at 13. <laughs> yeah. Just very confident. And my son is, um, Henry's very late, just, he's just very laid back in general. So it was hard for me to understand early on, okay, is this, is this the disability? Is this his personality? I think those first three years were just, for me, really, really hard because I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. And mm -hmm. I mean, now I know, but the, the book that I am querying is about those first nine years and me learning how to advocate for him. So mm -hmm. initially I went running back to my desk. I was very overwhelmed uh, tax accountant who just wanted to throw myself into a spreadsheet and not navigate yeah. the 10 specialists I was going to be taking him to a year. I mean, I, I just didn't know what 
what was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then those small moments that taught me, you know, that mom gut, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is, this isn't okay. You know, some things that maybe you would let slide because, oh, it's just for me and I don't need this and I can deal, you know, I can deal mm. as, as a grown woman, I can manage that. Um, but just like you said in the beginning, there's something about parenting that makes you braver. It's a hundred percent true. There, mm-hmm. I learned from my son how to advocate and how to speak up for him, and it's taught me how to advocate and speak up for myself and and other people in my family in a way that I don't think I ever would have mm-hmm. um, if I didn't have those experiences. So our kids always call us to a higher place. I believe personal growth on steroids. I've heard that said too. Um, so you've had all <laughs> yeah. these things to navigate. I'm 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 kind of staying in those early years. And, you know, I'm thinking of our listeners out there, maybe somebody who's just coming into this world of a newborn, healthy, disabled, whatever it is, uncharted waters. Absolutely. So here you have, you know, your daughter and they're what, three years, two years apart and um, and then you have another baby. So now you've got three kids. And I mean, I really sense that you have this family bubble that you guys are really close. I've read some of your articles and it's like, you guys, you know, you're busy and you have fun. And I want to definitely talk about how this has influenced your kids. I won't say impacted, influenced your uh, your other kids and their interface with the world. I love that you're saying that about your daughter. It's just like, she's just gung-ho and out there. And, you know, who knows how Henry might have encouraged her in that way also, as you're saying that he has for you of being braver. How have you managed that interface with the world? What have you come up against? And I'm thinking more of like accessibility, but also you know, just like other families and other kids and and normalizing, this is who we are. It's our family. More on shaping a family that might look a little bit different from the outside after these brief messages. It's really tricky. It's it's a it's a fine balancing act, and I try to think about it from all different perspectives. So maybe this isn't the best answer or what people want to hear, but I try to treat my children like they're all only children and make sure that they individually have what they need Mm -hmm. because my situation is so different. You know, Henry needs a lot of very specialized things, right? And a lot of it's medical. So I can't, I can't lax on that, right? It kind of is what it is. And then as far as the inclusion and accessibility, you know, those are I guess you could say above and beyond, but to me, they're not because of course he should have access to what everybody else has. And because he is my middle child, I think it makes it easier because I have that, um, the two on the other end to know what should be kind of what somebody his age would be or should be doing or could be doing. And then I can tailor things to him in that way. So that makes it easier. But I also am tuned into, okay, you know, my daughter, Yes, my daughter was very influenced. She actually, and so do I, we have a hard time sometimes not advocating. Um, I wrote a piece at one point, I haven't placed it and I'm, I'm, I might resurface it, but I took my daughter to, um, you know, an event where we were icing cupcakes with some friends and the instructor said something like everyone can walk, right? And she was using that phrase as an example of 
Um, we all start from walking before we can run. We all, right? But but she triggered me because that's yeah. not a factual statement. And there are plenty of people in this world who can't walk. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did say something in the moment and the woman got upset because I interrupted her flow. And, and so it's learning how to not necessarily be offended because somebody says something that they don't realize is offensive. And then when and how do I educate? You know, in that mm-hmm. moment, maybe, maybe I should have kept quiet and said something later after the class. Hey, I just want you to know that's not always true. You know, my son X, Y, Z, right? Maybe yeah. that would have been a better approach in the moment I got heated and said something and the woman got defensive and the rest of the class was uncomfortable. Mm. So, um, and I know that my daughter deals with those moments all the time. She's in eighth grade. How many eighth graders say things that are not politically correct, (laughs) that are offensive, that Mm -hmm. are right. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, she has to navigate that. You know, she did a um, a project over the summer with a friend where they did an a inclusive story time and read books about in different types of inclusion, different people with um, all different differences. And mm-hmm. um, and she read you know, these stories to little kids and created a, a little program for the library for them. Wow. And and so that was a constructive outlet for her where she has to, in a lot of ways, you know, maybe bite her lip because people don't understand um, mm-hmm. her home life compared to what she's dealing with. So, you know, it's, it's a real balancing act of recognizing what she needs as a teen and what my younger son needs, you know, as a typically developing almost 10 year old, and then also navigating things for my son when they were really little, I, because my disabled son wasn't invited to many birthday parties because one, he had very few kids in his class Two, I think a lot of those parents just maybe planning a party was just too much for them to manage on top of everything else. So there weren't Mm. very many. I would bring him along to other friends' birthday parties. And some people might say to me, oh, that's not okay. He wasn't invited. But in my mind, he should have exposure to those experiences. And if I have another little kid at home, sometimes you have no choice but to bring them along because you don't have the backup to stay home. And Exactly. Yeah. It's like situational. You kind of mm-hmm. gauge, you gauge the moment and and what's okay and what's not okay. And it's just this, yeah, it's this balancing act of these worlds and trying to to manage it. Even with my own friends, it's it's been a long road. And what's TMI? What's you know what's oversharing? What's mm-hmm. um, right? I mean, I I went to therapy for a decade to talk about those moments of how do I compartmentalize this situation versus that situation? And um, so that I can have friends and have a happy life and still feel like I'm advocating and still feel like I'm doing right by my family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's like a moment by moment assessment, yeah. honestly, it's, and you just kind of get used to gauging reading the room. I sense a little thread of mom guilt in there as we all have, right? Oh, you mean I can go out with my girlfriends on a Friday night, leave my kids at home. Every mom on the planet has probably had that feeling. Don't want to overgeneralize, but you know, there is that place of you, you absolutely deserve to have your adult life and your girlfriends. And it's just a little more complex. And there is a tremendous amount of mom guilt there. And I won't pretend there isn't. I mean, I caught a virus that caused my son's disabilities. And my husband will say to me, 
you didn't you didn't catch it right this is not something I did intentional this Mm -hmm. is not right this this happened but yeah there's a lot of mom guilt like parents I think all parents think oh my kid has this or my kid has that whether it's genetic or it's environment or it's something you taught them by accident or you think you did something wrong when you were pregnant there's so many different facets to mom guilt and um, that's one of the things I had to talk through a lot in therapy. And I don't think there is, I, I manage it. There isn't, it's never going to be gone. I will yeah. forever feel like, oh, you know, when and how did this happen? It shouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. but it did. And so, um, you know, you kind of go down this path of, all right, too, this is too much now. I've done too much for him. I have to pull back and now tend to myself because if I'm not whole, I can't do anything for them. Exactly. If I'm not happy, I can't give anything to them. So, so it's this constant back and forth balance of, mm-hmm. okay. I'm, and it's, it's gotten easier over the years. They're older now and sure. I know what to expect and I have his team, but finding that team, Ooh. that was painful. Finding the doctors, finding the right therapists. And that's also part of the book. Just, mm-hmm. just knowing that, okay, this person may be competent, they may be a skilled doctor, they may be a skilled physical therapist, but are they talking to my child like he's a person? Are they are they treating him with respect? And even if I could deal with them not doing that, am I in a mentally okay place to be dealing with this person? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not, then I can't advocate the right way for my child. Even when I take him to get weighed sometimes, I'll take him for a checkup and the, sometimes the nurses will say, oh, well, um, can I weigh him in his wheelchair? Can I? Well, he's he's got weight issues. He's significantly underweight. No, mm-hmm. we cannot take the late. I'm sorry. We can't take the lazy way out. And yeah. I, I will get him out and hold him and then get off and have them weigh me. And or they'll say to me, you know, was he at a doctor recently and you can use that? No, he wasn't. I'm going we're going to we're not going to shortchange him. We're going yeah. to do this the right way. So, you know, it's like getting past that frustration and anger feeling and just saying, no, I don't want to do that. We're going to do this instead because mm-hmm. nobody deals well when you come at them in an aggressive way. And yeah. granted, it's so hard. I mean, that takes a lot of just emotional labor on your part of, okay, I'm not going to lose it here in the doctor's office. So yeah, you have to take care of yourself so that you can take care of him. I'm curious too about, uh, you know, we talk about siblings and sibling relationships all the time. Mm -hmm. And how did the three of them get along? And how have, what have you seen kind of evolve over the years as they've gotten older? So I think my favorite thing about their relationship is the things that I learned from them. Um, So for example, when my When my daughter was maybe four and Henry was two, you know, sometimes she would get him, she'd be playing upstairs with him and I would walk away and she would want him to be downstairs. She'd want to follow me downstairs, but she wouldn't want to leave him upstairs. So I would catch her with him on her lap or in between her legs and she would scoot down the stairs holding him, which as a mother is so dangerous to see, you know, that happening. However, a way to include him in a way that I hadn't even thought of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's this fine line between, okay, I'm going to be the mom when something's unsafe. And I'm going to take a step back and just kind of let her do what she wants, because 
she's finding a way around his disability and he's just always loved his siblings. Like he learns, my younger one will, um, from an early age, used to climb into, into Henry's bed in the morning with an iPad. And if we weren't up yet, he would sit and put the iPad in front of him so they could watch together. So they've learned to go to him. They've nice. learned to find ways to navigate him around places. They see inaccessibility everywhere, even before I do. They will go up to people's houses on Halloween and say, my son can't come up here because you have stairs. Can you please come downstairs? And I will have all these strangers in socks in the night coming down to give my son candy. <laughs> um, so they've just learned how to navigate life in that way. And it's of course, taught me. I mean, I, I've learned a, I've learned a lot from watching them. Mm. And I was really nervous when Henry was born. I had I grew up with a single mother. I was an only child, and I thought, okay, now we're going to have some challenges. This is going to be different. And I I worried about my son. I worried about my daughter too. I didn't want her to have to navigate challenges the way I did. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, we can't shield our children from everything in life, but she was too. And I explained to her early on, uh, you know what, she didn't ask me early on, she didn't ask me until she was maybe three or four. And she said, um, you know, she asked me about his development. I, I can't remember specifically how I wrote it in an article uh, for Scary Mommy years ago. But I, I just said he has boo-boos in his brain. And it makes it hard for him to move his body. But he wants to do all the same things that we do. And she just was, you know, sad for a minute and kind of took it in and then just bounced back. And of course, they've learned over the years, you know, what that means about the world in different ways, right? Sure. Um, yeah. But they evolve with it and they grow with it and they, they're, they are very close. And that was my plan. Mm -hmm. I really wanted us to be close. I met my husband in high school. And again, not to keep going back to the book, but that's the book is right now the title is keeping us together because I don't want to have to divide and conquer. I don't mm -hmm. want my husband to take my, you know, take my son and I take the other two or, you know, somehow we're divvying things up because something is inaccessible or not inclusive. Mm -hmm. I want us to experience life together. That's a challenge. That's not an easy thing. But at this point, all five of us are on the same page with it, which is nice. It's easier than having little kids and, and corralling and dealing with the, right. so those early years were very, very hard. Maybe you've had that uncomfortable moment when your child says something about someone who looks a little bit different. We're going to talk more with Jacqueline about interfacing with the world after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. 
New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash on boys. Winona, menopause care made easy. Talk about this interface with the world, perceptions coming at you. You know, it's it's the little child who sees Henry in the wheelchair and wants to say something and the parents are, you know, doing their embarrassed thing and trying to manage it. And, you know, I think we can all relate to that place where our child says something that's a little bit, you know, unfiltered, shall we say. How how has that been? And, and what can you tell listeners who are on the other side, who are seeing your family out at the beach and their children are curious? I'm not going to lie. It was it was always very difficult, especially when they were younger. And I, I will feel it more. My kids are older now. So I think I think around, I don't know, I want to say eight, nine, ten kids learn to not stare, but will ignore. That's not okay either. So I think when little kids 
look and look for a longer amount of time because someone looks different. My son moves differently. He has prompts by his head that help him sit upright. He, his body moves differently, right? Um, so they're trying to take that in and understand. And to me, the worst thing someone can do is, is say, oh, don't stare. That's not nice. Look away. Because they're teaching a child to ignore somebody who looks different rather than learn about them and engage with them. So, for example, my my three kids were in a play in the fall, and it was it was just probably the best few months of the past decade. But same thing in the beginning. The, the kids looked and and, you know, they kind of did it more discreetly because they were a little bit older. But there was but there was staring. And within a couple of months, they got familiar with his body language. So, I mean, from my perspective, the worst thing somebody could do is ignore, pull away, make somebody feel invisible because mm-hmm. nobody wants to feel invisible. I know my son has disabilities. People with disabilities themselves know they have a disability. Right. They know they look different, right? And and yes, there are times where I can't make it a teachable moment. I don't have the bandwidth. It's just not the right time. I think it's okay to stumble, say the wrong thing, ask what the right thing is. How can I include you? What can I do? I don't ever expect someone to have the answer and just seamlessly take my son and include him. It took me all of these years to understand and know what to do. I expect someone to have an open enough mind that they're willing to learn and be uncomfortable with themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part. We all have these social norms Mm -hmm. where if I say hi to you and within three seconds you don't respond to me, I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to think either, oh, did you not hear me? Um, Did I say something wrong? Is something bothering you? Did I offend you? Right? Now, my son, one, his one way of communicating is smiling. So just like you're not going to tell a child, oh, they want to give you, they want a hug, give them a hug. I'm not going to tell him to smile at everyone he sees because that's his way of interacting. So if he doesn't look at you and smile right away, it doesn't mean he'll never like you. And it doesn't mean he's not listening and doesn't want to engage. It just means he doesn't want to make his body do that right now. It doesn't mean he's not tuned in. So mm-hmm. be uncomfortable, be uncomfortable with somebody who moves differently or acts differently. And I think that's the best thing I can ask is just be uncomfortable with what it, you know is a social norm and have a little patience to learn about how somebody moves different or acts different because it will be more comfortable over time the more you engage with them. Like we mm-hmm. we read Henry and know you know, every year he gets a new teacher and they have to learn about him, right? It's it's a familiarity. And we all have these social norms. We fit into these little boxes of how we engage with someone and he can't do that. So mm-hmm. I guess my ask would be, be a little uncomfortable. Be okay tripping over your words. Be okay putting your foot in your mouth briefly and being embarrassed and then recover and move forward because otherwise he's just going to be invisible. And no, nobody wants to be invisible. No. And, and your job is not to teach other people. And yet it is, it is. And yet it it is. And yet it is. And just like, you know, I'll be perfectly honest before we, before we turned on record, I asked you, what's the proper terminology? Is it disabled or differently abled? And we talked about the term special needs and I didn't know. And why would you, right? And I didn't know either. From my perspective, I was you before I had my son. I didn't know any of those things. 
And the ways that I learned were by, I, I read, I read from people who have disabilities themselves, um, Emily Ladau, Demystifying Disability, her book. My son can't speak for him, you know, can't explain those things himself. So I look to the disability community to learn what's, mm-hmm. you know, what's appropriate. And so, yeah, the term special needs bothers me because all needs are human needs. His needs aren't special. You know, he may need more assistance than other people, but his needs are human, just like the rest of us. It's mm-hmm. just, he needs more assistance with certain things. It is a learning process for all of us. And I, I just love that you're, you know, this place of, he's not invisible. I, I have to say I'm 65 and there's a place in your life when as a woman, especially as a single woman, you do become a little invisible and it doesn't feel good. And so to really just recognize like we're all human, we all want to be acknowledged. And I'm guessing that Henry appreciates a touch or a interaction in some way, even though he doesn't smile back, maybe he's not into it that much, but just that engagement. He almost mm-hmm. always does smile back. Yeah. I just don't make him if I compare it to the hugging thing, but he almost always will engage with someone. And yeah, he does appreciate that. He he is very, you know, expressive with his body language. And like, for example, I would take him to see doctors and he can, he can, you know, he can cry and fuss and, and complain, but he doesn't do that unless something's typically hurting him. So we would go to the doctor and he'll put his head in his lap and they'll say to me, oh, is he tired? No, he doesn't want to be here. That's his way of saying I don't want to be here. Yeah. And it it just still baffles me that they don't understand that that's his way of saying, yeah, I don't want to be at the doctor right now. This is boring. I want to be somewhere else. You know, he he lights up as soon as you you get a basketball out. He immediately writes his body and and sits very tall and reaches for the ba- he loves basketball. He loves swimming. There are certain things that engage him just like anybody else, but where you have the capacity, we, I have the capacity to hold my body up and sit and look at things and use my voice and my facial expressions or my body language to communicate if I like something or not. He just uses his whole body language. It's tiring for him to do that, physically tiring. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. uses his whole body language. Either I'm not here, I don't want to be here, and he puts, you know, kind of withdraws, or he engages and you and and works hard to engage and Mm -hmm. and most people don't understand that so Mm -hmm. it's um unless you you know unless you know him and see him more often Mm -hmm. so and how can people get to know him and see him more often if people don't take a chance and just get uncomfortable and and have some patience and just give him some time that willingness to get uncomfortable it's huge it's taught me to be much more patient with other people too We'll continue this conversation with Jacqueline after these messages from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. 
Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash envoys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash envoys. Boys get dirty in the summer. When my guys were little, they spent so much time in the sandbox, in the dirt, that the bath water was visibly filthy by the end of bath time. I imagine that Bo will be spending some time outside this summer. Well, I'm remembering just yesterday what he looked like at the end of the day in Oma's garden because his hair was greasy and just wild and he was definitely ready for the bath. And I love about Dabble and Dollop, especially because I have Bo and he's two, is their bubble bath. I know when I put those bubbles in his bath, he's going to be in there for a long time, which is great. And the bubbles are going to last. Devil and Dollop bath products are made with high quality, natural ingredients. And as you said, there's everything from bubble bath to bath time shampoos, body washes, conditioner, lotion, bath bombs. We're using some Dabble and Dollop um, hand soap right now. I love the scent. I love it for myself. I'm using the coconut moisturizer. I love it. It feels great on my skin. So for kids and adults, Dabble and Dollop. You can go to Dabble and Dollop's website. That's dabblebath.com slash onboys. And you can get 20% off your first order. That's Dabble Bath, D-A-B-B-L-E-B-A-T-H dot com slash onboys and get 20% off for being a listener of onboys. 
I'm much more sensitive to somebody else's body language or behavior or, um, you know, there are so many more diagnoses, these so much, so many more people getting diagnosed with all different types of disabilities, learning disabilities, different things, autism, you know, grownups that their whole lives had no idea. And Mm -hmm. so by parenting Henry, I feel like I have more patience to recognize that maybe somebody has just something else going on or just a different way of engaging because we all do introvert, extrovert, just Mm -hmm. there's so many different variations of how we engage with people and with the world. Thinking about our listeners, maybe somebody's just on the beginning of their journey of having a disabled child. What are some resources you can recommend for help? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, It's not easy at all. So in the beginning, I mean, early intervention is typically what they refer you to. So early intervention is from birth to three. And uh, depending on your state, they will send support, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, those are supports for your, for your child to get. Um, I needed to really cycle through the different therapists who came to find people that were good for him. Um, same thing with doctors. And what happened with the doctors uh, word of mouth from other parents uh, that was helpful. Reaching out to his school uh, and the nurse there, they they typically had a list of people that you know that parents liked. So that tends to be uh, some of the better ways to find. I mean, we went through four neur- four neurologists, four orthopedic surgeons. Um, yeah, we kind of just cycled through. I went through numerous physical therapists, and the one we're with now has been with him for ten years. So, uh, yeah, but it took, I probably went through eight of them um, Mm. before I found somebody that my son will actually jump out of his chair when he comes over because he likes him so much. And so it was worth that. Using your resources, finding whatever you can, going online, because unfortunately, it's not always going to be right in your community, especially depending on where you live. I live in Mm -hmm. a in a fairly busy area. And it was hard for me. Go online, see if there are other people either with parents of a child with a similar diagnosis, or there are a lot of resources, um, Facebook groups and things of people that can Mm -hmm. help and not getting frustrated because it's a long game. It's Mm -hmm. not there's no easy short answer. And I think the best thing parents can do is keep playing the game and pushing forward. But when you feel yourself crumbling, you do that self-care. My mom would say to me when Henry was little, okay, this was a too much Henry week. You know, he would have three or four doctor's appointments, therapy, different things. And it would, it would weigh on me as his mother. It was just Mm -hmm. mentally and physically draining, constantly feeling like I was fighting for his rights and, and the things that he needed. And so I would, whenever I could take a step back, have my husband manage them and go out with a friend and do something completely different, switch gears, whatever it is you need to do to fill your bucket, fill your bucket because it's a long game and, mm-hmm. um, and you need to have your head on straight to be able to manage it right, go to therapy, whatever. I was in therapy for 10 years. It's the only way that I can write and talk about it as easily as I do a conversation like this would have sent me stewing for hours. I'm, I'll be fine. I'm going to hang up and go, I don't know, try and pitch some articles or something, but (laughs) it doesn't, doesn't phase me the way that it did. But Mm -hmm. in the beginning it was, it was a lot. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a lot on me mentally. So finding those things that fill your bucket, I found a lot of hobbies, gardening, crocheting, anything that calms you Mm -hmm. um, that, that you can use as like a distraction because 
it's something you can't control. I think as women, we like to try and control our situations. And it's just something that you can't, you can't, there's no easy answer. It's just this, you're navigating. It's like a ping pong game of thing to thing to thing. And so focus on the things you have control over, grow some plans. I mean, it may seem like there's no time for it, but something small, something small that you feel like you can nurture and, and feel like, okay, I accomplished that because the rest of it is not going to, mm-hmm. not going to be a short, easy answer. Yeah. And part of this too, I can imagine is just being able to ask for help and receive help. Being able to ask for help. And and I've written a few articles about that. People need to know what you need from them. And so you need to know what you need. Okay, it would be really helpful if, and there are, and I, I wrote a piece about this for Wired about um, there are all these different apps that you can even have. Okay, right now I need someone to watch the kids for a little bit so I can go for a walk. Or I really need um, someone to bring us dinner because I can't manage cooking tonight. Little things that seem small but are doable for somebody and then help somebody people want to help so what can they do that can make your life a little bit easier those small things do really add up and I was very bad about that in the beginning it was Mm -hmm. very hard to be on the receiving end of of help so being comfortable with okay you know what this is this may be short term this is this is not forever I mean my family still volunteers and does other things Um, we still give back but we need help in Mm -hmm. certain certain moments. So take the help when you can assess your body, know what it is you need, ask, ask for specific people for specific things. And if someone says to you, you know what, I really can't manage that right now. Don't be offended because everybody's managing their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Move on to the next person. And that other person may in a week say, Oh, you know what, I couldn't do that. But I can do this. And I really care about you. But I have these emergencies in my life right now. So just recognizing that the community is bigger than what you might expect. Um, Our daycare helped a lot. My book club made a meal train for us. Things that I didn't really resources I wouldn't have thought to reach out to. I would have thought, oh, close family and friends should be the ones to reach out. But they were all further away and busy with young kids or jobs and and cared, but didn't have the capacity where Mm -hmm. other people may have the capacity. Don't be uncomfortable. Take the help from where you can get it. You maybe you'll pay it back and maybe you won't, but people want to help. It feels good to them too to help. Yes, so it's, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, so You're, it's okay. You will pay. You will pay it back somewhere, somehow down the road. Maybe not to them, but you will. You will pay it forward. Just not right now. Take what you can when you can get it. I think you're so spot on about that place of actually knowing what we need and getting in touch with what we need as the as the parent cuz we can so easily forget that place so tapping into that taking that 5 minutes of just sitting and staring out the window and having your cup of coffee whatever it might be that it's okay and you don't have to feel guilty about taking that 5 minutes or that evening out with your friends because you are filling your bucket as you said and you're going to just give that mm-hmm. back to your kid. You know, you'll have more to give and you'll you'll be able to think more clearly. You'll be able to assess mm-hmm. the situation better. Mm-hmm. Even with my writing, like I'll I'm home all I'm home alone now all day and I will go for a ride in the car to be able to let my mind relax and think mm-hmm. and I'm usually more productive that way because you know you get your thoughts in the shower, you get your thoughts when you're driving a car, not when I'm sitting staring at a screen like 
figure it out, figure it out. Like you have to let your brain shift gears. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're human, we need that. And from someone who has tremendous mom guilt, um, that was, that was a tough thing for me to learn. So it's, it's important. Jacqueline, you are doing such a service to the world by sharing your story. As you said, you know, not always easy and yet so important that we hear from from you and what the experience is like to be the parent of a disabled child and how we can all get uncomfortable and learn from that too. Where can our listeners find more from you. I know you've written a ton of articles and uh, this book is on its birthing process out into the world. So that's going to be something to watch for, but where can our listeners reach out and connect with you? My website's JacquelineGreenbergWriter.com. So you can contact me that way. Uh, find all my articles there. So yeah, I think I'm pretty easy to reach. I love hearing from people and connecting and I'm more than happy to share. I went into this because I had such a difficult time and it was so hard for me to navigate those early years that I really love connecting and helping anybody that's struggling in those times because I I very, very vividly remember what it felt like. And I mean, I was able to develop another career from this, which I think is very similar to what Jennifer did with her with her writing. And mm-hmm. um, so I do I do different types of content work and stuff too. But this is my this is my passion. If I could just do this all the time. Um, This is what I feel very strongly about because it it was just so difficult for me to know what was right for my son and where to get, where to get that for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, yeah. So please reach out. I'm here all the time. I'm uh, sadly addicted to my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and um, thank you for being brave. We hope this episode has been valuable to you, opened some new insights, and maybe you'll be encouraged to reach out to someone. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being our listeners and supporting our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park